You've now entered the lap of luxury. Prepare your soul for a lavish journey into enlightenment. All right. So, uh, welcome back to the Lap of Luxury podcast. Uh, <laughs> why, why don't you know I say that? I, we never introduce ourselves. I'm so yeah. nervous. <laughs> we got a living legend with us. Yeah, now. I know. <laughs> we can't fuck this up. Uh, no, so um, I don't know. You want to do the intro? Uh, the report? Yeah, so we got um, possibly, I think he's the most famous B52 pilot other than uh, Mike Brogan. But, uh, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Cosmo here. He's uh, what, Forbes 30 for th- under 30. Uh, 2018 Airman of the Year. What was that? Air Force Times Airman of the Year. Oh yes, sir. And, yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the cast. Um, it is, it's an honor to be here. It's a, it's an absolute privilege. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gotta say, one of your big accolades, in my mind at least, is you know I, I think a lot of people know Triton, and he has some <laughs> crazy stories, you know. But you just blow him out of the water with your with your stories, like without even trying. So. I'm sure this is going to be a very uh, intriguing podcast. I'll try to keep it as bland and boring as possible. For you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, to jump in, for um, it was cool to see you, what was it, in the spring, this past spring? Or, well, I guess it was a year ago now, um, at, uh, at SOS. And I know you had, like, a crazy experience with, like, your insight paper and stuff like that. I never, I never talked to you, though, about, like, your topic. What was that? So at Squadron Officer School, they were trying to get us to think deeply about a a subject that could affect your squadron, something at the local level, ways to innovate and find ways to help better our Air Force. The topic that I had in mind was the utilization of auxiliary forces in the Civil Air Patrol to augment various mission sets uh, through Air Force assigned missions. And this would help in a myriad of ways that included bridging the civilian military experience gap, as well as helping anything with second and third order effects going to pilot retention, um, helping communities feel closer to their local bases, raising morale, a whole lot of different effects that would come from this. Basically, let's say, for example, you have at your unit uh, a number of public affairs troops that are deployed. And now you've got a B-52 coming in and you need to get some photos or a press release written, but there's you're shorthanded on staff. So what you could do is a, a commander could look for a Civil Air Patrol member. And the Civil Air Patrol, the official auxiliary of the United States Air Force, is made up of both adult civilians, many of whom have prior military experience. Others, just folks in the community that want to give back. There's also cadets who are aged 12 to 20. And they go through various uh, programs to develop their leadership, some have technical skills they bring from the civilian force, or that the Air Force Auxiliary helps cater and educate on. So you have public affairs officers in the Civil Air Patrol. They're just volunteers that have this additional training. So this unit, this commander could go, hey, local Civil Air Patrol unit, do you happen to have a PA person uh, at your unit who could help augment? So you would do the process to get that person on base and they could help out. And the Civil Air Patrol has been doing this for a number of years with their chaplains. Their chaplains are actually rigorously tested to make sure that they have the proper qualifications like you would for an Air Force chaplain. And when you are 
let's say bingo on chaplains at a base, you could have an Air Force Auxiliary chaplain come in and help out. And it's been done many times around the around the country. So I thought about how we could do that with more diverse career fields and more specialties in CAP to help out units, especially in things like self-aid buddy care, where you have to have a pilot take time out of his or her day to go teach SABC. And I'm, I'm an SABC instructor. I think it's really, really important stuff. But this could also be taught by, let's say, a nurse in the community who is a senior member or a lieutenant in CAP. So I wrote my topic on that and had a, a very interesting time at SOS with all the different projects and papers and tests and physical fitness and meeting new people. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, I don't like a lot of that. That did that gain any um, traction with anything? Like, did you guys try it like on a smaller scale anywhere, or did you like pitch that to your wing leadership at all? So I actually pitched it to the national headquarters of the Civil Air Patrol, uh, to their COO, who's a retired colonel, and also with a, a lot of members on their staff. I went through statutory code, uh, how the Civil Air Patrol is organized as a corporate entity, as this uh, also military auxiliary. I implemented some aspects of the plan at Barksdale Air Force Base by working with our security forces squadron in a memorandum signed by our wing commander to have expedited access policies for base entry for CAP senior members because they are vetted and have background checks. And that was very successful at reducing the amount of time it took for the volunteers to get on base to help out because they do everything from domestic search and rescue to uh, aerospace education for children. So there, there's a lot of different projects they're involved in and also helps reduce the workload of security forces. I wrote a memorandum that the Civil Air Patrol can use at various bases around the country, theoretically the world, for our foreign bases to help get people in. It's just up to local commanders if, if they want to accept and sign off on that MFR. I plan on implementing more of it, but my primary focus, of course, is being the best flight commander and B-52 aviator I could be and continue to develop as a, as a pilot and as a tactician. And I try to work on a lot of these projects in my free time instead of watching Tiger King or playing <laughs> Call of Duty. I mean, Tiger King's like I, a big thing in the zeitgeist right now. That's what, they, that's what they're saying. Dude. Uh, speaking of CAP or Civil Air Patrol, uh, so it's interesting to hear you talk about that because I know, um, I think this is actually around the country when it comes to ASOS. And when I say ASOS, uh, I mean uh, Air Support Operations Squadron. Uh, a lot of times, uh, and again, we're kind of moving away from it now, but... Uh, we have what's called CAPCAS or Civil Air Patrol Close Air Support, where we'll we talk to the local Civil Air Patrol unit and say, hey, uh, can, we'd like to hire you for X amount of hours this year. And I say, OK, cool. Hire them. And what we'll do is we'll take them up. Uh, one of those guys will take another JTAC up in the air with them and we'll essentially just do um, dry cast over you know, wherever we decide to is whether it's downtown, you know, Libertyville or where whatever city you're in. <clears throat> and I don't know, it's a good way to kind of get uh, basically log some beans. And uh, it's not the best training, obviously, because when you're flying like a Cessna 172 at, you know, 100 knots versus you're really trying to get like an A-10 being the slowest one at, you know, flying, you know, 200 knots. Uh, their final attack is a little different. So, but 
kind of to your point, like it's definitely something that we've integrated in uh, kind of that Civ Mill um, communication and employment, I guess, if you will. Definitely. There's a lot of great volunteers in the program that are able to help out in that mission, both the flying side, the uh, side on the ground with the search and rescue, drug uh, reduction. It's, it's pretty interesting. There's folks that are in the program that are very high hour airline guys and gals that can contribute uh, with instruction of of uh, kids, essentially these cadets, uh, 12 to 20, to help build prospective aviators for our Air Force and, and the other branches. And then you've got guys like, there's a General George Harrison, uh, not the member of the Beatles. But, I was going to uh, say. <laughs> this, yeah, this uh, retired fighter pilot general in Georgia was teaching kids how to fly gliders. And you, oh, I mean, cool. what, what kind of access uh, you, do you have like that with other programs? It's it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, we, we've got at our local unit at, at Barksdale uh, a patch, a test guy that volunteer, and some of them don't even have kids in the program. They just like to give back and, and help the you know the future citizens of our country and contributors to society. That's cool. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> I guess transitioning back to sos real quick it was uh it was a crazy good time to just like meet up with people and like people from like rotc or field training or wherever you you know kind of went through um and just like reconnect and network it's like a lot of people talk down upon sos you know but like going to it makes you realize like it is a really good program and you should go there to like develop you know it's just oh, for sure i i, I just I, I guess i wasn't going this way but um it is kind of a weird time to do it though, like when you're a captain, because isn't I mean, so what is it? You're like you could be four to what is it, eight years in, or maybe four or four to, to ten. Years. Yeah, so a lot of people could separate right afterward, but I guess that's kind of just the price you pay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I there's some people who were doing that. Like I was, in, they're in my uh, flight, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm getting out right after this, so it's okay." <laughs> and they won DG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Um, Space had somebody, I think, like in some army guy who was doing, you know, kind of like he was there as a kind of a joint kind of thing or something. And he was like, I guess I think he was like headed to GG or something like that. But he was just like, guys, why are you like or or no, no, sorry, he was going to separate. And he's like, why are you guys sending me to this? You know, what I mean, like I appreciate it and it's good stuff. But it's like I was like forced to go to this because. He was about to become a major, essentially, or something like that, but he was going to separate. And the, I think, I, like, that's just a small example of sometimes I think the Air Force does those kind of things that, like, don't make sense, you know, but that's just the rule on paper, you know? I don't know. Yeah. And what's but, interesting is the, uh, like, so the Army they have, like, their equivalent to Squadron Officer School is Captain's Career Course. And it's, like, a six-month-long course that every captain goes to. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, and it's it's so so interesting to look at the different flavors of the different branches and how like they kind of treat um, their training. I forget what the Navy did. I think they did something. I think they thought of no, no, I won't say. It. Um, but yeah, it was cool to just you know meet up with people and like see different like network. I think I think it would have been cool to spend more time on like everybody's careers and just like learning more about it type of thing. Yeah. Um, and. No offense to anybody else, but like the maybe concentrate. I think they did a good job of like concentrating on the ops because 
it's like, you know, we can't get around the fact that the Air Force is here because of the operations. You know what I mean? Like, that's obviously the whole point, right? Um, right. So I think people would, like, really need to understand that as the foundation and then realize how they fit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think they did a good job with that with, like, joint warfare and all that type of stuff and, like, doctrine. Um, yeah. But maybe well, a little bit more of that. I thought it was kind of interesting during this, like, I know we, we spent a decent amount of time on SOS, but I thought it was so interesting, like, when you kind of bring up these buzzwords like, you know, flexibility is a key to air power. That's something that everybody in the Air Force pretty much knows. But when you say something like centralized control, decentralized execution, and like, I think the majority of ops people have heard that <laughs> or said that. And like, I, I remember I said that and then I was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly like this. And then I look around and like, do you guys, they, do you understand that? Like, no, I never heard that before in my life. I'm like, Okay, guys. Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Like, you remember, you know, you know what part, branch you're part. Of. Like, you know that you're part of a military fighting machine, right? I don't care if you're a dentist. Like, come on, man. Um, but I'm sure much to their chagrin, there we focused a decent amount on ops. Um, and, I, and I can see how the battle goes. You know, it's always like ops versus. And I, I've seen this everywhere i've gone it's ops versus everybody else it's just a bunch of people like oh you know the whoever whatever type of ops you are this the prima donnas and then people are like they just forget about you know all the other little guys like well no we understand that like being an ops you understand that there's we wouldn't be where we wouldn't get to where we got if we didn't have our support personnel but at the end of the day you know like everybody's got their role to play. I don't complain because I'm not a pilot, you know. If I'm flying, like at the same time, I don't complain. Like I wouldn't expect a pilot to complain that he's driving around um, a navigator who's going to drop a bomb or whatever, or driving around a loadmaster who's going to release something out of the back of a plane. Like it, 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 everybody's got their role to play. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know, uh, Cosmo. When did you go to SOS? I was there, I believe it was January, February of 2019. Okay, so. yeah. So you were, you were the class right before me, right? And then I think so, yeah. And then I saw you because you were coming back to like get some award or something like that? I think so. So I went back to Maxwell twice after SOS. Uh, once was for essentially some senior leader mentorship for this program Air University puts on called big week that was led by uh, the Surgeon General of Air University. And then I came back for a meeting up with then Secretary Heather Wilson for the Secretary of the Air Force Leadership Award. Oh, nice. Dude, uh, (laughs) uh, how did that go meeting with uh, uh, Heather Wilson or the man? I, I was uh, I was definitely fanboying because no joke I would was, be too. She was one of my heroes when I was in high school. Really? So it, be, well before she was secretary of the Air Force, when I was you know a young kid dreaming about going to the academy and being an Air Force officer, I had read about then Congresswoman Heather Wilson, the first person in, in the U.S. Congress to graduate from the academy. I was like, here's this Rhodes Scholar, brilliant person. Just a, a very impactful military uh, member who went on to do very impressive things. Just a, a well thought out, intelligent leader. So I, I was total fanboy. And when I got to the academy, she came to speak at the National Character and Leadership Symposium, which is a phenomenal event. 
and they needed people to help out. And I like shot my arm up, sent the email, whatever it was, saying, hey, I will be her escort for this event. And for a couple days, I young cadet Gluck got to take her around the campus and her alma mater and talk to her. And I got a picture with her at that time. And she, she wrote me, I think, a, a little letter, thank you or something. Then when I got to meet her for the SECAF Leadership Award, which was her last time doing it and only, I think, a week or two before her graduation speech at the Academy, uh, which was like, essentially the final event of her, her Taurus SECAF, I took out of my like pocket a copy of that picture. It was like, hey, I was your escort like almost a decade ago. You know, thank you very much. And she was super cool to talk to. Just uh, a great person. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so I um, see because she was and yeah, she was the last secretary of the Air Force, correct? Or just prior to um, uh, who's the secretary of Air Force right now? I can't think. But I'll put it on. Anyway, she was she was secretary of Air Force when uh, I believe when we were we were in the desert. Yeah. Yep, yeah, she I was, believe uh, so. So <laughs> I was going to make sure I'm not like talking at my ass now, but um, th- this, oh. is gonna a, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a, this is going to be a theme. So we, for whatever reason, like the, tra- the not the training cycle, the op cycle that we were on, we were kind of on our off week where you just, uh, just do mission planning, kind of sleep and eat and repeat. Well, uh, they needed like our crew, like to pat ourselves on the back. We were pretty shit hot. But also, we just happened to be available, which is the main reason that we did this. So um, we had the uh, Secretary of Air Force, Heather Wilson, she came out, and along with um, the Chief of Staff of the Air Force. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, like, this is going to be cool. And then I started thinking in my head, like, so we kind of lined up practice. And like, okay, you know, this is how we're going to introduce ourselves and say hello, shake hands, blah, blah, blah. And... For whatever reason, like right before we started, like she got off the bus and uh, and people started shaking hand. I thought in my head, I was like, wait, do I call her Madam Secretary or do I just call her ma'am? I was like, ah, uh. and like the, this, as people were shaking hand, I'm still like debating this in my head. And I, I don't hear anybody say anything. She comes, shakes my hand. I'm like, how you doing, sir? <laughs> like, oh, my oh, goodness. No. Oh, I was my like, goodness. oh, you blew it. And I was like, uh, and she just kind of like, look, she kind of cocked her head at me, like, look, and she's like, huh. And it's like moved on. I was like, damn it, I blew it. <laughs> and then so anyway, she get like, she gets up in the jet and like, they're kind of showing, people were showing uh, around like, Obviously, since the first station you get to is the nav station, when you get on the buff, she spends a good amount of time there. Uh, then she goes up to the pilot slot because, you know, that's the, the big window, the only window in the damn jet. So go that's the whoever it was. I want to say it was like Beaver or something when that was up in the jet or maybe it was even Detroit. Just talking about everything. She gets back to the uh, defense suite and I like stop her. I'm like. <laughs> try to talk to her like about the defense. She's like she clearly doesn't give a shit. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, uh, like trying to redeem myself, and I was like, I blew it. <laughs> so that was interesting. It was like, man, I'll never forget that. Like the time I showed my ass in front of the secretary. <laughs> I mean, she she is so smart and has like a ridiculously quick wit. I bet like a hundred different responses flooded her mind, and she didn't say any of them out yeah. of like 
respect <laughs> for you, like not wanting to burn you and while being yeah. a professional. Because when I showed her that picture from a decade ago, she said something to the effect of, I had less gray hair then. And I think I said something immediately back of, I had more hair then. And then she chuckled <laughs> at that. So she's she's definitely quick with it. But yeah, she was uh, she was the one right before our current one, uh, Madam Secretary Barbara Barrett. And then we briefly yeah. had Matt, Matt Donovan, who was the act, acting secretary when Secretary Barrett was was still, uh, I guess, being confirmed. Yeah. Yep. So that that was a uh, man. I think to be honest, though, that's that's pretty much par for my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I usually I'm. I'm somewhat quick-witted. Uh, I do get tongue-tied at t- tongue-tied at times, but uh, <laughs> like I I know that like I knew I was gonna from the minute I started thinking about those odd things, like I knew I was gonna fuck it away. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, like that's just my brain. I'm sure that happens all the time. I mean, I think it's just normal with military people, but uh, you know, I'm sure she didn't care. But then, uh, yeah, I I know the feeling of like you just know you're gonna fuck something up and like. And then you got into your head too much, right? You know, like, yeah. that's what happened. Um, but, man, I didn't know she was a congresswoman before. That I mean, I guess that makes sense with how they kind of choose in. And she's got, like, kind of an Air Force background, I suppose. So that's good, too. Um, but that was interesting to hear. I don't know about the uh, the current one. What is she, I'm trying to look her up right now. What's her, like, bio? Oh, do, you, do you know, Cosmo? Off the cop, top of my head, uh, she's from industry, if I recall. And she, okay. I believe, has a test... Test pilot background. Oh, uh, wow. She's, okay. Uh, she, I, if I recall, but don't quote me on that. I, I know I've read her, her bio once or twice, just just in case. But yeah, she's primarily a, a person from industry and business, and she was also an ambassador. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So, and a lawyer. Uh, the, the people that they select to lead the Air Force are just totally crushing life. Yeah, it's, it's well, like, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you would hope so that the people that are being chosen, like, oh yeah, ambassador, business person, you know, lawyer, just a little bit of everything. Yeah. So I feel like each time you got you got to be somebody better, you know, or like, oh this this person was an ambassador, like, oh well this person worked for Habitat Humanity and built an uh, entire village in Africa. Like, oh, well, this person developed a cure to uh, <laughs> cancer, but it was only cancer in, you know, uh, Siamese cats. So it was like, <laughs> you know? Oh, so, Siamese cat cancer is the worst. Yeah, that'll get you. Yeah. But, like, there's a – this just kind of me, reminds me of another topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, it was just in my notes. But – what is it about us as humans that ma- like are, makes us want to one up each other? Uh, like for instance, like you hear a like somebody's telling like and it's usually between good friends that this happens, but uh, like somebody tells you a sad story, like oh man, you know, um, I remember when my cat got ran over when I was you know 15 years old, and like and then someone's like oh dude that's nothing. My dog it ran over on my like my 16th birthday, and I'm like, oh no, no, that you should hear this, and it's keep on, we keep on one upping. Like, what is with us, and why do we always have to? Um, why can't we just hear somebody's story? I'm like, man, that's crazy. But we feel the need to like, oh, well, I got a worse story, or I got a better story, something more amazing. Like, why do we do that? Uh, I think that's the classic keeping up with the Jones type of thing, you know. And I mean, maybe in a if I can be positive about it, like 
maybe it's a way of trying to connect with the person and like realize or like indirectly make them realize like their situation is not as bad or like kind of let them down easy, I suppose, or something like that. But yeah, that is an odd thing. I think, I think it's, you know, it's not intuitive. I think especially for guys biologically, I suppose, but um, to just like, when you hear something bad, I've learned that you can just, it's okay just to say like, or it's, you know, maybe better just to say like, hey man, that sucks as opposed to, you know, like trying to fix it because it's like when we always talk about like when you fail a test, like nothing anybody says is going to make that feel better. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's just my take on it, I suppose. But uh, I I feel like, so it's one of those things, like, I don't understand what, what, I guess what I don't get is we, when we do these things, it's like, it's almost like a like to pat ourselves on the back it seems like um and yeah. I, like i've been i've been guilty of this but when we say like somebody's like oh you know i growing up i only had a like my parents they only they got me some car for when i was six when i turned 16 i could drive uh you know i had to get a used car and then somebody else was like you got a used car when you were 16 i didn't get i didn't have anything i i grew up having to bike ride my bike everywhere and, like we get this sense of satisfaction over like Oh, man, dude, that's, worse. that's nothing. I had to low crawl to school. <laughs> right. Barbed wire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like why, I, why do we, like, why do we get joy, I guess, why do we get joy out of trying to one-up a terrible situation for somebody, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, I had it worse. Like, why are you bragging that you had it worse? What makes, I don't know. That's just, like, there's no real answer I'm looking for. I just, I thought about it the other day, and I was like, I don't want to ever understand why we always have to compare like that. Yeah, that's yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I and mean, like now that I'm thinking about it, like I think I kind of do that too with um cell phones cuz I did never got like a cell phone until I was in like high school or something and all my friends had yeah. them in like middle school or like 5th grade or something like that and I remember and isn't it so crazy to think back then like my my friends were freaking out cuz like somebody had a phone that has a camera on it and now we <laughs> now we have like fucking dslrs back in the day on our phones right now you know like yeah. essentially like our phones are better than 90 percent of the cameras that were out back yeah then. yeah i yes I, uh, I stumbled upon when i was doing like kind of spring cleaning or whatever i stumbled upon my old like digital camera i think it like had like an eight megapixel camera or something like that <laughs> i was like i just fucking threw it out the window it was, <laughs> it was old news you know uh man Speaking of technology, um, I wanted to bring this up before, but what technology is a, uh, was around when we were growing up that doesn't exist anymore, or it may exist, but people don't even bother to mess with it? I mean, I don't think there was any technological advance more significant than the Tamagotchi. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, all those Tamagotchis that you had as, as a kid... They're all dead. You didn't feed them. So they're, I mean, that that's a tragedy in itself. Uh, I, I don't know where the Tamagotchi stocks are right now, but I'm sure they're not very high. Well, now they got like, Tamagotchi <laughs> was like, you know, that was a, the intro level. That was, che- that was checkers. And now they got, you know, the Sims. And then after that, like you got all these fantasy games that you got to, or role playing games where you got to feed your character or else they get, you, you know, weak and frail and sick and you can, manipulate the environment all kinds of stuff but I, I that was, some, yeah oh yeah i was just i think some people feed their video game characters more often than they feed themselves right so you know you're just they're in the fantasy world so yeah, what, what go ahead 
Sorry, was it wasn't there that story of that girl in South Korea who played like World of Warcraft for like forty eight hours and didn't like eat and like died or something like that? There's it's been a like, few cases, yeah. It's like how does that happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta think like what what is making you type on this keyboard? You know you have water and food in the next room over, but you decide not to. Yeah, like, that's... Nah, nah, I'm just gonna stick here. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And, then and there's stop. like there's no you know stopping point essentially. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. That's obviously that's wild, but yeah. Well, I thought it, like I started thinking about stuff like for instance a Rolodex. Like if you if you <laughs> set up a Rolodex on a, te- a desk now, people would know what to do with it. They're like, uh, what what is this for? I have uh, my contacts list in my phone. Like what people and people don't realize is like the way a con- your contacts are built in your phone is based off of a Rolodex. It's insane. It's the alphabetical order. The the contact cards are built the exact same. The fact that it's called a contact card, like, is literally just a roll like a new Rolodex. People have no clue. Uh, it's kind of like the save button. Uh, people to, like people know it's a save button, but they don't know what a floppy disk is. Yeah, I but think yeah. there's a. Sorry, go ahead. No, you, please, please. I think there was a viral YouTube video about, uh, did I just make this up? I don't know. Uh, of people <laughs> using, people using like a rotary phone, or, or sorry, they made like millennials try to use a rotary phone or something and they couldn't figure it out. Or like, even if like somebody, whoever doesn't know how to use one, just like sit in front of them and tell them to dial a number and just like see how they, like long it takes them to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Or even answering machines, like. So we all have our answering machines on our phone, but the preponderance of people who don't leave messages, <laughs> dude, it, it drives me insane. When somebody calls me and they don't leave a message, like if it was important, leave a message. It's all right. You know what I realized? I think the reason people don't do that is because <clears throat> it happens too often where people call them back and they're like, hey, what's up? And then you're like, hey, did you get my message? And they're like, no, what's up? And I'm like, Oh, why did I even leave this message for you? you why, I mean? why do, like, I mean, that's the whole point. You leave a message and then somebody listens to it like, oh, I got that answer for you. <laughs> yes. That's so dumb. And then like what drives me crazy, I think, well, I used to get mad, not so much anymore because there's so many uh, spam callers. But when people you call somebody and their mailbox is full, uh, I'm like, oh, uh, that drives me crazy. Like, I got some important information for you, dude. And all of a sudden, uh, the person's mailbox is full is not accepting any messages. Goodbye. What? I'm about to tell you, you're about to PCS in a place to the worst base in America, and you, you're going to leave me this? Okay. Is that a uh, real situation I, that you yeah. guys went through? Is uh, it really? Yeah. I, I think mine's been full once or twice, and I've been chastised by my family for it. Uh, I've also been chastised. I think I had this voicemail in high school that was like an acapella rendition of some guys singing saying like leave a message your name and number and it went on for 45 seconds it was was (laughs) horrendous but i thought it was hilarious and i remember my dad leaving a voicemail that consisted only of change your voicemail message that's all he he left i guess he had forgotten whatever (laughs) he wanted to share and i i can't recall this was the exact voicemail at the time but i missed a call from my senator, when I was a senior in high school, when he called to announce that I'd been accepted to the academy, and I really hope he didn't have to sit through, leave a message, name, and number, and just going, God, I made a terrible mistake with this guy. <laughs> uh, that's like uh, ring back to.
man. I love, like, the, uh, go I, love ahead. The, I love the voicemails that are like, um, where they just do like the, hey. <laughs> uh, you know like yeah. like oh hey how's it going hey hold well, on I, just mean, <laughs> I guess that doesn't work anymore because it does the you know the thing like the mess you know you've dialed whatever number and you know leave a message at the beep or something so it wouldn't you yeah. know kind of do that, I, I think you could still get those to work there's like a special circle of hell like a third and a half <laughs> Reserved for those people where you you've already like talked to them and then they go nah it's just a message bro Beep. yeah some oh dude that <laughs> happened actually a couple of weeks ago when I was about to we were going TDY and one of our guys who was supposed to come with us we were doing him a solid to bring him on bring him on the trip so he could just get used to controlling because he's having a really tough time um, and he he for whatever reason slept in so like we call his roommate and. Whoever called his roommate, they got him with that exact joke, and oh my god, he just like he started talking. He was like, "Yeah, hey man, uh, like motherfucker." <laughs> he like, He's like, "Oh, he got me with that." Uh, but like, that's another thing, pranks. You don't, we don't like, you can't really run around doing pranks anymore. I feel like, or the pranks that people do are just outrageous. Um, I don't know, just like being mischievous, like when you, I don't know, running around the neighborhood, just doing just silly stuff when you're a kid you know like i'm trying to think um like doing ding dong ditch and you know um like not that i ever did it but people were throwing like eggs and snowballs at people's houses and stuff like that uh you couldn't do that now because i feel like somebody will just walk out and shoot you or something you know <laughs> <laughs> like or, uh... <laughs> or they have like a camera set up or something like that you know what i mean and yeah everybody's got those yeah I don't know. I can't. I can't really dive into those uh, on the inside. You know, like indoor camps. Although I see like the importance of them, I suppose. But I think at the most, or I don't know how to say that. At the most, maybe do uh, outdoor cameras. But still, it's kind of it's it's a kind of an awkward thing, you know. Yeah, I got an indoor cam, and I have it simply like just facing my entryway, so I can set it up. So hey, when I leave, it'll detect any motion. Which I I can say I've been scared a couple times because like I'll get that notification it'll ring like hey you have motion in your house I'm like what and I'm I'm at work I go up and there's nothing there I think it was just the light but then it makes me think there's ghosts in my house too so oh um, shit it could be you know it, it could be picking up that <laughs> that infrared in- energy or something and I can't see it oh, man yeah. that's I uh I have um a nest hello doorbell whatever it's called where it has yeah. like a camera and it kind of tells you if somebody's at the door and then yeah the first time i started getting used to it because it like like if i leave it detects somebody's there and then it'll tell me like you know i don't know in like 30 seconds or something so i would get a message every once in a while or like i would get i would see that message later and think that somebody was at the house or like i would be in my house and thought i didn't leave for a while and then i would mm-hmm. get that message but it was really just like i don't know a cat or something like that but yeah it could yeah. be pretty creepy. The worst I've had so far, because I have a, a camera on the front door, I want one of those as well. Someone put a flyer and taped it to my mailbox where every time the wind picked up while I was at work, the paper would fly up just triggering it and it would go down. So the entire day, oh. it was just like, bloop, bloop. Just, just giving me the alerts and I couldn't do anything about it. Like I put on sleep mode and th- that helped a little bit, but then it would just reactivate, ended up draining the battery. 
So, and then when I got oh. home, the, the flyer was for something ridiculous, like emergency plumber. Like, I, I, I don't need you right now. Wacky waving uh, balloon. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, w- I would take that in a heartbeat. If, if that guy left a flyer, I'll buy one. So, yeah. uh, what do you got over there, Port? You got any uh, topics of randomness? Um, let's see. I have a couple that... Um, oh, yeah. Here's a good one. So... I guess this doesn't really apply to the uh, U.S. Air Force Academy here, but what are, like, you know, the, the I, I think I always get on like, a little bit of a soapbox with, like, education bills are too high, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, like, it's like, what are the colleges doing with all this money? Because isn't it such an interesting thing that universities are really there for, like, the research and stuff, right? And yeah. they're more, like, uh, you know, teaching or, yeah, like, teaching or education is kind of secondary to them. You know what I mean? But I, I think I brought this question be, to myself because, you know, I, I'm taking a master's and like every semester feels like they're like, yeah, we're going to increase the tuition. And it's like, what am I getting for this? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, like I never know. A piece of paper or a certificate. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. It's like, I think, I think people are just in this, like, they're just in this, you know, kind of windfall of like, we could just keep on putting up the, um, what's it called tuition and nobody's going to stop us essentially, you know, like, cause what are you going to really do? You know, I don't know. Right. All you're going to do is complain like, okay, you don't have to. Yeah. That, so, you know, what'd be cool is if you could just get proficiency advanced through that shit, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm pretty good at, you know, political science already. Uh, let me take a few <laughs> tests. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you're, you're pretty squared away on world affairs. Uh, just go ahead and you, you push him up to the next one. Okay, you only have one year left now. It's just like a expanded CLEP program. Uh, yeah. I, 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 could, I could see that. Like, you demonstrate how you can program a VCR, and they just give you a master's in computer science. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, obviously, tests are kind of the most convenient way to test people. You know, like written tests or whatever it may be. But... Like that's we know that's not like the best way to you know evaluate people's performance, right? So it's like I think the whole construct of classes. I'm probably going too deep here, but the whole construct of classes is kind of like antiquated. I don't know. Is am I like alone on this one? I don't know. I don't know. Explain. Like, I think instead of like you know taking quizzes, like a lot of times it's like you know especially. It's like going from undergrad to grad to, I'm sure, like PhD. It's like basically the more is on you. So like maybe in like a master's class or like a PhD or something, they'd probably just be like, hey, read the textbook. And in, you know, three months, we're going to give you a final exam. And that's going to be 100 percent of your grade. You know, it's just yeah. like, what, holy shit. But it's yeah. like you never know what to concentrate on and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So instead, I feel like it should be more like I think the ideal situation would kind of be like you just – uh get taught things and the professor just like teaches everything essentially and i think the only reason for exams and grades is just to put a number on you know how smart you are or how well you did right like it like imagine if you had to redo the school system or something like what you would actually do right like i think i don't know does that make sense yeah well that's how uh go ahead if you got some no please please go ahead uh 
so in England, uh, I know I can't speak to the other college, but like I know Oxford is that way, and that's why it's not accredited because they don't really give grades. Like you have a professor, uh, it's, it's depending on what program you're in, um, you go and you have basically a mentor who is a professor, and they just you kind of have like weekly chats about whatever topic you're going to discuss. Um, you might spend two months figuring out what topic you want, and then you're going to spend the rest of the year essentially making um, your thesis and making doing your research and compiling all the information to present basically a proposal. And that's like you're, you pass it. And again, Oxford doesn't have to be accredited because people know, hey, you went to Oxford and they're like, hey, well, they don't give grades out. They just say, hey, yay or yay or nay, or you didn't understand this. So give us more money so you can understand it better. Um, so I think that kind of falls under the auspice of what you're talking about. Sounds like port. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like, how rarely do you like, so exams are like, you know, nobody talk to each other, everybody do your own exam and hand it in when you're done. Like, and don't look at, you know, you can't look at any notes. It's like, how often is that like real life? You know what I mean? Like if you're getting a degree in whatever nursing or something like that, like, I mean, you always have other people around or, I mean, maybe not in the, mo- I mean, I just fucked myself with that example, but, you know, <laughs> in the moment, you know, like, like kind of like doctors, I suppose, like the reason sometimes it takes so long for them to see or something is they might be going back to their office to like research a topic or something like that, you know? So it's like, you never, like, you're rarely going to be put on a spot, like in the, in aviation, you know, bold face kind of makes sense. Like you have to know something, you know, like, um, right away, like something because it's time critical but how often is time critical when you need to do like algebra or something like that you know what i mean i don't know oh for sure and i I think that's one of the beauties of the 21st century is that access to information is unbridled it's it's there for everyone and there's that old joke of your elementary school teacher saying well you're not going to have a calculator with you at all times you know when you're in algebra class and and look now we've got cell phones with more advanced calculators than that, you know, TI-83 <laughs> that we had in yeah. school. So we do. We have, you know, infinite, nearly infinite encyclopedias of information at our fingertips. And, you know, some is obviously not factual. But for the most part, <laughs> it's all there. I mean, you can find academic journals. If, if, if the doctor needed to know, like, what's a spleen? I mean, they could just go on their phone and do that. Well, hopefully he or she would know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I do. But, yeah, I mean, there's we've got access to everything it's it's more about how quickly can you find it and how accurate can you assess it and i think that's one of the biggest things that academia should be focused on is when you're presented with so much information how can you filter out you know that which is inaccurate you know your uh, fake news or uh, s- some sort of stuff with a, a lens of scientific skepticism so you can get to the the root of something versus biting off on pseudoscience uh, and that that's what we should focus on in the university system, especially for people out in the world that are going to bite off on something put on Facebook by their crazy uncle. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, like kind of going back to the core competencies of kind of what you should know and like, you know, starting from the ground up as opposed to teaching you kind of these sporadic topics, I suppose, if that makes sense, you know? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like, I think like how do you, go ahead. Oh, just, just like, how do you learn? You know, how, how do you assess something as truth? And you can do that through like the Socratic method and seminar styles and focus on, you know, what, what does it mean? Why are we learning this? Is it to check a box? Are we spending four years just to 
party and then have a degree at the end. No, it should be to to develop as a person and take that into your career field or, or wherever you go. And if not, then it should be reduced. It should be, but at the same time, you start thinking about it. And I know if it was me as a high schooler, uh, I, I didn't get to where I like I enjoyed learning until I was about like midway through my junior year and my senior year. So like the appeal of college to me was continuing to play sports and then also having fun. So uh, it, it might be one of those things where college doesn't take effect until, or maybe it shouldn't take effect until you're in your twenties. Uh, because there's not a whole, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but some people just want to go to college just to go, just to do the party thing. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's very true. And, I mean, like, there's some, um, what's it called, like, credit to that, you know, like, you kind of developing as a adult. Like, I'm sh- you know, not to make it, like, kind of black and white, but I'm sure, for the most part, if somebody goes to college versus does doesn't, and they're, like, the same age they, you know, somebody, somebody who went to college might have matured more or yeah, maybe like aspects of their life. Yeah. Is. Like socially or something like that, you know, or they might have like gained more with like time management skills or something like that. But, uh, you know, obviously, I guess that's all kind of that's generalized. But, um, yeah, there, there is something to the developing in college, uh, even away from just the academia kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, if nobody else has a topic, I uh, this is this is kind of random, but uh, I just thought about how like when you when you move from a place, isn't it weird what like appliances people leave behind? <laughs> <laughs> so like um, one of my friends, they moved and the person didn't leave. Like they moved into a new place, a new house, and the person didn't leave the fridge. They took the fridge. <laughs> what? And yeah, isn't it kind of that like made me realize like, isn't it weird like, should I feel like we should all just be on the same page like let's leave the washer dryer fridge you know, like all the appliances that are annoying basically to take out like imagine if somebody took like the dishwasher it'd be oh, like dude like taking your oven they're gone yeah exactly I don't know I just found that such an odd thing that like. I don't know. Have you guys ever dealt with that where you have to like get a, like a totally new appliance or like, isn't that like a weird thing? It's like, so I think the big thing that made me realize is like, we take our washer, like, why do we take our washers and dryers? Like, that's just one of those things we kind of hold on to as ours, but it's like, it's just similar to like a fridge. It's like plugged in and set there and it's really annoying to move around. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, uh, so when I moved in my house, we like, so this is a lesson learned for people. Make sure like you can put that in the contract like okay, okay right. i want the washing and i want the washer and dryer i want the refrigerator and you ask them and then like for instance the people here i was like hey can i have the washing dryer they're like no it's like all right <laughs> and i just took that money and put it in somewhere else so like, hey if i can't have the washing dryer then let me have that you know whatever and like, yes or no so I, I think that should be applied to even more random stuff in the house like hey <laughs> i'm gonna take half the cabinets but only the, the ones on the bottom I'm going to take the guest toilets and uh, just the bricks for the fireplace, but I'm going to leave, like, the gas element there. You're you a know? psycho, dude. They're, you know how what people would do if they walked in, like, they got no toilets? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where do you go? Like, well, we got the backyard. I, yeah. I, I, would, I would try to also, for my next house, like, bargain for the most random objects, like, 
I'm going to take that blender. You don't just buy it from me? No, put it in the contract. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need that ninja. You know, there's just... I had some random stuff left by the owner of, of my house. He, he was the only guy who ever owned it. He left, like, a random metallic, uh, like, sculpture that went above the fireplace. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And then some very, like, Baroque, classical-looking uh, metal furniture in the entryway. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep it. It, it looks kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I think I gave one of the things away to the squadron as a gift. <laughs> I was like, yeah, here you go. Just kind of re-gifted yeah. stuff from the contract. Adds character. I uh, did like speaking of that. Like, if you saw my will, um, oh, it, it's definitely like that. Like, I have things where like I'm giving away like individual things, and like I have weird stipulations on them. Like, you will never like this will always remain with somebody who has the last name Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> like, and if it and if it doesn't, if there are no more else, it will go to the next of kin of uh, this person, this person, this person, and it's like random things, like one rifle, you know, or like my car, and it's never to be sold, never to be altered. <laughs> it, when you did your will, did you do it with an on base attorney or like yeah, a jag? I did, yeah, I did it with a jag, and they didn't laugh or nothing. Like <laughs> I just put it down. And they're like, okay. <laughs> well, well, I- I had a totally different experience with mine because I, I have in my will, at least its current iteration, things like X percentage of my uh, you know estate will go to this charity, Y percentage for this one, and then uh, some dollar amount ones. And one of them was like X dollars to go to my squadron from the academy. We were Viking 9. It was this kind of Norse mythology theme. Said, I want to turn the squadron assembly room into a Viking warship with the interior design and like dedicated so that the cadets can use it and then put kind of some architectural flourishes in there. And the the lawyer looked at me, he's like, are you serious? This is about like what happens when you die. And I'm like, I'm dead serious. You know, like, <laughs> uh, like, like this is something I would have thought was totally dope if I was a cadet versus like a, a boring bland room. Like I'd want that in there. And he kind of backed down and said, yeah, whatever you want, it's your money. Yeah. Why, why do they look at us like this? It's, my, it's not your life. It's my life who I want to do my stuff with. I, I mean, he might have rolled his eyes when I said I want like Van Halen playing at the funeral. But I mean, for the most part, it was all reasonable. <laughs> that's that's probably why when I did my will and I was just like, I don't know, just burn it all. He was like, thank God. This guy's just so easy. <laughs> <laughs> just burn it all. It's like Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> This is gonna be gonna be kind of a creepy question, but how? When was the last time you guys updated your will? Because I was thinking about that. Like, I should probably. I haven't up. I well, if it wasn't for like you know certain deployments, I wouldn't have even made one. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. it's kind of a critical thing to have, right? You know, like obviously. Yeah. Uh, last time I updated mine was in 2017, but nothing has really changed in my life. Well, I guess I do have a house, but there every all the things that are inside of it are still the same things that were my last will. Um. I don't know. Everything still holds true. Like I, I think, because <laughs> I so because I don't like the one of the things in my life that scares me is death. Because like I'm not sure if I'm right in thinking what's gonna happen is gonna happen. So I one one thing that scares me is what if when you die, nothing happens, but you can still you like you can't respond, can't do anything. You're basically just uh. You're just trapped in your body. You can still feel everything. So, like, when they start, like, cutting you open, you can actually feel it. You just can't do anything. So, like, what happens if they burn you? Like, you just 
burn alive, you know? So I had like, <laughs> like, I think in my will, I can't remember uh, specifically, but I think I have like my heart to be removed. <laughs> and then like like i want to be buried but i want my like my right arm to be cremated and then like my heart to be cremated and spread like one to be spread you know at lap 50 of the indianapolis 500 it has to be lap 50 and i think i even put in thing it has to be during the indianapolis 500 it cannot be um just at the track it has to be go- during the actual race uh oh, stuff man. like that <laughs> and then like the other one like my ashes must be spread at 50 yard line of you know holy cross stadium that's where i played football stuff like that like just really random things but it seemed like a good idea to me idea to me and i still probably want that sounds like you're gonna come back as a heartless one-armed zombie Dude, I know. I, I'm. I, I don't want to come back as a zombie. That was another thing. I was like, I'd rather get burned because I want to. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to come back as a zombie. Hell, up? Yeah, I mean, if I come back as a zombie, I hope it's like a Michael Jackson thriller zombie where I've got sweet dance moves, <laughs> and instead yeah. of like a, a 28 days later one where I just sprint around and eat people. Oh god, that'd be terrifying, dude. Could you imagine getting chased by zombies? I mean, so coronavirus cool. isn't hopefully getting to that point but uh, I, I try not to think about uh, zombies uh, t- too often so every every once in a while i think about with this whole coronavirus thing like do you know um what are those people called the people who are like preparing for the apocalypse preppers uh, yeah 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 those these guys are just like they're just like down in their shelter already like just like they're like now's the time you know i mean they, they're they're doing their part to flattening the curve. I mean, it's it's definitely a serious disease. I've already got a, a family friend who is uh, who's, who's who died due to coronavirus, and I'm sure many more people around the world are going to be affected. But you know what? The the preppers they're the ones with all the toilet paper right now. Uh, you know, they and the guys who bought bidets are the ones who are winning. Uh, and, and, yeah. That's port right there. Yeah. What can I say? I was uh. I uh, I was well prepared for the for this. <laughs> I feel like it's always it would be interesting, but again creepy, of uh, to find out the toilet paper usage of people like the average. You know, I think in this household we're using it. Uh, I think we're going through one roll a week. Really? So Is we're that, pretty low. You think that's hot? You think that's? Yeah, I think that's very high. What? What yeah. one roll? One roll, one a, roll week? a week? Yeah, that, well, yeah. that's. I, what are you guys going through? So I've been conscious of this. So I got baby wipes also. Um, oh, luxury I, right there. Dude, that's it. Yeah, that's where it's well, I don't know. So here's I'm... the thing. Uh, <laughs> I Because of the toilet paper, I, I thought I was good on toilet paper. I was like, I don't need to worry about it. So I went in my closet and I figured out it was actually I was good on paper towels, not toilet paper. So I got, I think, a total of six rolls in my house. And it's got to last for the next, you know, six months probably. <laughs> so I just use a couple sheets at a time. And uh, to be honest, I, I'm going to say I use like that one roll will last me. Uh, I, I bet a month. But also like when I would, this is, we're in a, extra, uh, a interesting time right now. But even before that, um, I'd say still say probably one would last me at least three weeks just because I do the primary, the majority of my business at work, uh, much to my chagrin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, what are you at, Cosmo? 
for my, my toilet paper usage? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I'm going to go I, over I, and steal some from you. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I I bought in bulk well before the pandemic occurred. And just because I thought, well, I only want to buy toilet paper once rather than, you know, the, the local Whole Foods, not an official endorsement, uh, being like, man, this guy's just going to the bathroom all the time. So I, I just bought in bulk one time. It was like set for the next couple of years. Did you buy like uh, which a pallet? Uh, not a, no, I don't. I don't know what's going on at your home, Port. But no, I don't, <laughs> I don't require nearly that much TP. I, I will say uh, that there are some benefits to having a bidet as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just glad I don't have to resort to using leaves in the backyard or anything. Oh, so. Man. Or, or using the backyard in general. I'm sure my neighbors wouldn't be too happy. <laughs> uh, dang. Well, I thought I was... Uh, I thought, I thought was, you were a, a thrifty Thurston. Yeah, I thought so, but I guess not. Hmm. Are you more of a diarrhea Daryl? Is that the... <laughs> I think so. I think I got to reassess. Dang it. After, well, after uh, that story about Madison and uh, her dad, man, it sounds like you... <laughs> You got some uh, gastrointestinal issues sometimes. Oh, yeah. It, it, isn't your Instagram have poopy in it? Yes, it does. <laughs> is that, well, was that foreshadowing for this conversation? Uh, that's what Madison calls me, so um, that's kind of <laughs> my nick. That, that's my nickname. I tried to change it to, like, a cooler one, but then I just I surrendered and I realized this is who I am now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. I remember I saw you change it. I was like... Oh, nice. Uh, I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know if you lost the bet or what. <laughs> I, I hope after editing, there's like an official commercial from Charmin uh, in this. Just like <laughs> it's, it's all been a scheme for the, the toilet paper industrial complex. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I appreciate the bidet, but it's, it's definitely tough to uh, get adjusted to um, almost literally. But uh yeah, I, think, I don't think we're gonna dive too deep into that. We're gonna go into some uncharted territory, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's skip that. That's something <laughs> like a good idea. Um, shoot. Uh, let me, let me try to find another one. I don't know if you guys have anything right now. Um, I think a lot a lot of stuff that I had. Uh, it is not the form for mostly. It's just like really quick. Uh, throw it out there. And I think a lot of them we've actually. I haven't. I haven't done a lot of deep thinking. Oh man, I, we talked about this last time. And really, it's hard for me to like actually want to do um, like during the daytime. Want to do work. I, I've been a night owl. Like as soon as like nine o'clock hits, that's when I hit my stroke. Excuse me. That's when I hit my stride for doing queep. I don't know why. Like I hit, hit nine o'clock and I just start jamming out my computer. I'm punching out EPRs. I'm writing my OPR. I'm coordinating. And I've, of course, I'm coordinating people and no one's going to respond to their email at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. So I don't know what I'm doing that for. But yeah, I, well, so that's when like the VPNs kind of well, I, I almost wish the Air Force would just come out and be like, you know, this base, you get it for three hours. This base, you get it for this three hours. You know what I mean? Like, just to make it easier. I think I think I did see something that they're bulking up their infrastructure to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, with all this teleworking. And obviously, you know, COVID's just going to change the way society acts and all this type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, 
I uh, I should probably do that more often. I was thinking about, you know, waking up at like 5 a.m., jumping on the VPN when nobody else is thinking about it, you know what I yeah. mean? And just getting my spot and riding it as, you know, as I need it kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I'm not doing too many important things right now. So <laughs> This is – this whole epidemic has been uh, – has done wonders for my sleep cycle. I'll tell you that much. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Dude. I'm I'm getting so much sleep. It's, I don't like I don't set an alarm. Though the, my one regret is I miss NPR in the morning just about every day because I wake up too late. Um, or at least I I miss the shows that I want to listen to. I miss Morning Edition. Um, and man, but it's the, I go to sleep like I I may go to sleep at eleven o'clock. A lot of times I go to sleep at like one o'clock, and then I just don't set my alarm. And now I've kind of waken up in a rhythm where I just wake up when the sun comes up and I feel good. Like I'm not in a sleep deficit been great yeah it does i think that's what tom brady does um but i I wonder if all that stuff that he does is a hoax by the way like like his whole like training plan to make him like have such a career longevity you know i think i mean part of it is is i believe he'd like never uses an alarm which i mean i guess kind of makes sense because it's more like you know natural and he's like kind of listening to his body more essentially yeah. Um, to make sure he gets to sleep on time is, you know, obviously a huge part of it, but yeah. <clears throat> and by the way, what happened between high school and college where I lost the, like, or sorry, high school was like, I was invincible, you know, like <laughs> I could get like two hours of sleep, you know, take three exams, be at like perfectly at like the peak of like Intel, you know, like my brain power. You know, go play sports, do whatever, and then, you know, again, get, like, another hour of sleep and be fine, you know? College, yeah. I kind of started seeing the effects, but now I'm, like, dead if I get, you know, six hours or something. You know, or like, yeah. four, you know, like. I couldn't tell you how many times I went to sleep at, you know, 3 a.m. studying and then only to wake up to sign into breakfast at, you know, 6 a.m. And I'd come back, sure, I'd take a nap in the middle of the day, but I'd be good. And... I would like before football practice, I would just I wouldn't eat lunch because I wanted to save money. And I would just grab a, a slice of pizza and a Powerade on the way up to like eat it literally right before practice and be completely fine with it. What? <laughs> I, I go through long stints where I, I don't really think about food. And I think that's because I did. I wrestled for six years. I boxed for four, although only two of those years was I on the, the academy's team. And from 10 years, essentially, straight of of sports where you had to manage your diet, I I just will get on my grind and won't think about food. Like, I think today I've eaten a pear, an apple, and I had uh, probably a pint of, uh, like, a protein shake. And that's it. Really? And, you know, it's yeah, it's like uh, it's 9 o'clock at night. I just haven't thought about it. Uh, You feel good, though? Oh, yeah, I feel fine. Like, my... If I start to get like a maybe a rumble in the, in the stomach or something, it, it normally will quell itself just because my body goes, oh, I guess you don't need to eat. You're you're busy. And I could there's been times where I probably haven't eaten for a day, maybe two days, just because I've been so focused on my work. And the, the same for sleep. I did an all nighter probably once every seven to ten days in college, and there were a Jeez. couple of days where I did uh, once or twice I did double all nighters. And just no once I got like my stress level was up, it was just work nonstop, just 
write my essays, get work done. And it was like that deployed too for a while. I mean, there, there were multiple times I was up longer than 40 hours uh, straight, just on my grind and then realized, oh yeah, I should probably sleep. I guess, you know, or maybe I should eat something today. Uh, so <laughs> I think my mom, maybe it's like the Italian American mom thing. Just like, did you eat <laughs> something? Like checking to make sure I, I, you know, have some nutrients in my body. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you can tell that you're uh, you're grinding hard. You know, like if you're chasing after stuff and doing things and staying busy, you're you're gonna forget to eat. Whereas if you're like bored, like I am, uh, I'm just eating whatever's <laughs> whatever's in front of me, kind of thing. <laughs> Why? Do, that's another thing. Why do we do that? We just get bored. Like I'm just gonna go to my pantry and eat this entire <laughs> you know case of Girl Scout cookies right here. I think it's like you kind of, uh, not to be like too deep, but it's almost like you want to feel something. You know what I mean? Like maybe, or maybe it's just your biology saying like, hey, let's, uh, let's you know, store up some fuel or something maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That, that is deep. Um, well, that's that's what you get when you're on the lap of luxury here. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I, yeah, I feel it. Like, you know, it's like kind of when you, when you move your head back and forth, if you're bored or you stretch or something. I imagine we wouldn't do that if we existed without sense, like you're in a, a, a sense deprivation chamber or something and you couldn't feel or hear yeah. uh, anything. But but we do that. It's like, oh, I'm just going to move my arms and, and stretch because it's like reminding me that I'm alive. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to you guys. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Like with the, the Girl Scout cookies, you know, I just I'm going to eat this entire box because I'm alive. Yeah, <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> Have you guys ever been in a uh, sound, uh, I guess, deprivation chamber or whatever the equivalent would be, where it's like the lowest level of sound? No. Like, Stranger Things, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, most auditoriums kind of have them, essentially, but they only have them, like, kind of on the side so that, or I guess, I guess that makes sense, so that when people is, like, when they talk, they kind of just send it out directly, I suppose, other than like it getting lost to like back to them or something like that, maybe. Um, but I was in one and it, it's just so creepy just because like it's almost like when you're um, in the in the jet and, you know, the comm cord doesn't work or something and you talk. But, you yeah, can't, you know, because you know, you're like like even right now, you're so used to hearing your own voice even when you're talking. And you should know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so disorienting when that doesn't happen. But I know Joe Rogan <laughs> talks about like um, the what, what was it called? Sense deprivation chambers or whatever. Just, yeah. um, where like I think he does that sometimes. And it kind of, I think he says it like does a reset. And by the way, Joe Rogan talks about all this like crazy shit, you know, that he has and he does. And he's like, yeah, you got to get one of those. And it's like a thousand million dollars or something. It's like. <laughs> It's like Joe. We can't like not nobody's getting that, you know. Like and he's got like. Oh, you you guys don't have sensory deprivation tanks at your homes, <laughs> yeah. next to your bidets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like he's like driving around like a Tesla, like a hundred and ten thousand dollar car. He's like, yeah, you got to get one, man. It's awesome. It's like, okay, Joe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, but usually the guys he's got on are like some animals who just have tons of money. Um, well, yeah. sometimes I guess. Yeah, yeah he's got people that have their own tigers and stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm gonna watch Tiger King next. But yeah. I've, I've, like I said, I've been struggling. I need to start reading more. I got this book sitting right in front of me, and I'm a halfway through it. And I won't. I, and I love to read. I don't know why I can't make myself read right now. 
Oh. Yeah, it is. What are you reading? So this one is called Soaring to Glory. Um, it's about um, a guy from the Tuskegee Airmen, Lieutenant Colonel Harry T. Stewart Jr. Um, it's okay. It's not that great, to be honest. With you. It, it, <laughs> the Ouch. stories are good, but like it's like I, I don't know. I feel like it's it, it's good to kind of it, it spends about half the time explaining the situation and the I guess the setting the scene for certain things, and I'm just like, eh, I don't need the scene set right now. I, I maybe, but it's probably it would honestly be good for somebody who's less aware of the historical context of the Tuskegee Airmen, but um, yeah, I, I didn't need it, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, like, I, I know I always talk about Blinkist, where it kind of gives you, like, summaries of the books, um, but before that, I would always do, like, Audible and listen to, you know, maybe it's just some, like, action novel or something like that, but I've kind of gotten away from that just because it's, like, it's like, you know, it's, it is interesting and I, you know, listen to it for like four hours or so, but then it's like, it's like out of 13 hours and I'm like, I'm not going to make it through this whole thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I was just looking on the, I always forget about the CSAF's um, reading list and I was going to go look at his, but he actually has, they actually like have some podcasts that are good or um, that they link. I didn't realize they did that. One of them's like War on the Rocks, but I was trying to look up their reading list Um but uh, Cosmo, are you reading anything right now? I don't know if I interrupted you. You're about to say something. So I'm I'm going through different things. I, I do uh, some reading every morning, kind of a, a devotional focusing on uh, the philo- philosophical movement of Stoicism. So it's writings from Marcus Aurelius or Seneca, uh, Zeno. So I, I enjoy that. I, I love Audible. Uh, not an official endorsement, by the way. And <laughs> when, I, when I'm going through those, like the Great Courses series is phenomenal, where they just have these really educated professors do lectures. And even when I was at the Deed, you know, I'd be on the treadmill running, listening to some guy talk about like linguistic dissimilarity, and maybe not the best to pace yourself to. But I, I've enjoyed those. Uh, currently, I'm doing one called Great Minds of the Western Intellectual Tradition. Uh, it's like 40-plus hours of these guys talking about uh, the sophists and the Socratic philosophers up to the, the modern era. Uh, mm. And uh, before that, I did uh, Genghis Khan and the making of the modern world, uh, great minds of the Eastern intellectual tradition. So I've been kind of on a philosophy bent. And then I'm, I'm also reading a, a book that one of my friends from my childhood wrote, but she hasn't published it yet. And so that's been fun. It's a uh, kind of a sci-fi fantasy book. And I was telling her when, when I was giving her feedback on the first half of the book when I had finished it that it, it's kind of like being at the beginning of, let's say, you're talking to J.K. Rowling or J.R.R. Tolkien, and no one else knows what a hobbit is or what a yeah. Harry Potter is. And I'm just like, oh, I feel <laughs> like I'm I'm in this like mystical world, and it's just like the two of us who know anything about this. So I, I think that's cool. Hopefully it does well, but those, those are the things I'm reading right now. Oh, that's cool. Well, you just blew us out of the water, Cosmo. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to read uh, Meditations by uh, Marcus there. Um, but yeah, the the, Sto- the Stokes always have some really good quotes and some... I know Luxury and I talk about it all the time. Like, It's like, we try to like learn things or like, you know, you learn lessons in life. But I feel like 
you just have to look back at all the life lessons other people have kind of or like quotes and stuff and that's all we really need you know what i mean it's just like we're just you know we're just lip we're just learning them ourselves essentially as opposed to learning them from somebody else you know yeah. um kind of like what good... I'll... okay yeah, sorry ahead. no i'll just say that, that that's a great point and i i like that you brought up meditations because that's one of my top three favorite books of all time it, it's phenomenal have you guys ever read the alchemist no, I've heard good things though. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like another one of the must reads. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know how to pronounce his name, the author, um, Paulo Coelho or Coelho. Um, but <laughs> now he's a rapper, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but I was it's a, gonna, it's a I was gonna mention... alchemist paradise. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna mention uh, when you when we were talking about like you you know work so hard that you don't eat that he has actually a quote that's um passion makes a person stop eating sleeping working feeling at peace a lot of people are frightened because when it appears it demolishes all the old things it finds in its path so uh there you go something to chew on there but um yeah he has a lot of great quotes as well um and yeah I guess the reason I was bringing up the CSAF's reading list, I couldn't find the 2021. I don't know if it came out yet, but uh, I know he had a lot of good ones. Uh, if you ever heard of the Blue Zones, um, I think that was a f- couple years ago. But it just talked about the longest um, living people or communities kind of in the world and their like diets and how they kind of um, – why they have kind of longevity. And I, I don't know. I got a lot of good uh, – I learned a lot from that one, I, I suppose. But yeah. And I always kind of talk about like, like kind of like I was talking about with the quotes. It's like, how do we learn all the lessons that other people kind of want to pass on? Well, I think books are the answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's so easy for us to dismiss them. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's like it's all right there. But I mean, this is an interesting thing. I just looked up the thing Cosmo said. The great courses were. Has this been kind of cool for you, Cosmo? Like I noticed it like. It kind of like you can click on like financing and then it kind of gives you a series of books or something like that. Oh, uh, it's it's awesome because normally these professors, we've got guys from Harvard, Princeton, Yale, phenomenal state schools and folks all over the world that you would spend thousands of dollars and to to sit in on their courses and you have to get accepted to these schools. But here you are with like Audible for X number of dollars uh, just to get it for almost nothing. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it they cover so many different topics. I mean, I've, I've done stuff on linguistics, understanding Japan, uh, the story of the human language. Uh, and then oh, there's lots of other good stuff on there too. I've, I've, I've tried to read some of the, well, driving. So I like, I like to, you know, when I'm tra- traveling different cities, I did like the jungle, uh, the chimes by Charles Dickens, uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court, just a couple of the, the classics. Uh, of, from the American canon, just to broaden my horizons. I'm mostly a nonfiction guy, but I, I do think there is <coughs> stuff that can be gained from these these classic works. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was on a huge when we were deployed. I was on a huge kick of uh, the classics. I oh man, dude, I was reading. If it, if it was made before probably about 1970, I was reading it. Uh, I don't know what made me because I think. Uh, I, I've never been very good with um, like like the course uh, English, so like 
I wasn't in AP English or anything when I was in high school, so I didn't like read reading um, a lot of like I said, I didn't read Brave New World, I didn't read Grapes of Wrath, things like that. But man, I go back and I read them, and I I just I don't understand how you can give those books to a kid in high school or let alone a kid in college and have them fully take a full grasp of what it means sometimes to some of the themes and the really wrap their head around what is happening in these stories. Um, I just don't see it. Um, maybe a few, like I'm sure not like every, it's not a, a definitive, no one can understand this, but man, those books are just, some of them are just phenomenal. And I, I can't see a new, a new book, coming out and matching a lot of these older type of books yeah that's a really good point i never i never really thought about that like we kind of they kind of forced it upon us and and that was the tough thing too was like they forced it upon you because it was like schoolwork, you know so you didn't really totally like it didn't like totally sink in like <clears throat> you your head wasn't really into it it was just like oh let me just get past this class kind of thing you know right um i don't know did you guys ever look into like master classes um like the the company or whatever where they have like whoever neil degrasse tyson or like you know um uh chef ramsey or somebody like chef ramsey teaches you like the basics of cooking or uh neil degrasse tyson eh. talks to you about whatever only on instagram that's it yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's, exactly. my only, that's my only interaction with that yeah i wonder if it's worth it i mean like sometimes it's like 200 dollars or something like that for like course but um i guess maybe in the right subject that could be useful i don't know but i i see their advertisements pop up on facebook and i mean i i haven't sat in on any of their courses or paid for them so i, I can't say whether they're quality or not with, with any real judgment uh, I, I just would i feel cautious about equating celebrity to skill or knowledge like obviously neil degrasse tyson is, is phenomenal in his field and and gordon ramsay is one of the greatest chefs in the world and he's got the Michelin stars to prove it. But I mean, there are plenty of, of very skilled educators and teachers for a wide variety of, of skill sets that, you know, can be found for probably less money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Or and less obtrusive YouTube, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, straight up YouTube for free or, or through other programs rather than like very uh, strongly marketed, targeted Facebook advertisements. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're a little bit over our time limit, but that's not bad. Uh, uh, you guys have any closing comments? No, I don't think so. Um, Cosmo, thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you again on another time. No, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on here and getting to chat with you guys. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put something up on my, my Instagram about it. It's currently at Julian R. Gluck. Uh, some other guy took the at Julian Gluck before me. Ah, so, uh, yeah. Cancel Christmas yeah. on you with that one. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, an unfortunate thing, but no, it's uh, it's good. I, I really enjoyed being on and thanks for letting me hang out with you guys tonight uh, with proper social distancing. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, uh, any other social media that you'd like to put out there? Uh, you said you said your Instagram, anything else that, or website or anything? Uh, I've, I've got juliangluck.com and net and org but they all just go to my linkedin so <laughs> okay. i've been too busy with uh the job to to put anything towards that that's really it and i've only got the instagram pretty recently because some of my mentors were like you're a millennial the fact that you don't have one means you don't exist as a human being <laughs> I'm like, well, i prefer not to be a ghost 
if that's the case, I'm gonna go trigger, you know, your your doorbell camera. Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> start visiting me. Like, hey. Yeah, that that was me before I got Instagram. Apparently. Like, <laughs> but, uh, that, that's really it. You know, thanks thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of any agency of the U.S. government.